begin and set up the sermon, I'm going to invite you to pray with me and pray for the sermon and pray in this way. Let's pray this prayer together. Would you do this with me? Lord, help us expand our lives. Help us to grow bigger hearts and bigger souls. Help us to go deeper in our love for you and for others. Please point out anything in our lives that limits our potential. Show us the things that keep us from enjoying the life in all its fullness that you have for each of us. Speak, Lord. We're listening. Amen. 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 What a great prayer. Thank you, John. Hey, good to see you all. How is Lent going for you? You guys fasting and all? Only two weeks to go, all right? (laughs) So you guys all know what Lent is. Lent is this... Uh, historically, t h i s special time for Christians to fast and pray and read the Bible uh, to get ready for Easter. Yeah? You guys heard of Lent? Yeah? And we, at this church, we are using this season to do a faith experiment we call 40 Days of Faith. And this year, our sermon series, we are calling it Spiritual Practices for Dummies. I like it. You like it? We're focusing on spiritual practices that anyone can do, even dummies can do, because we really believe this, that faith has to be more than just ethics from the Bible. It has to be more than just talking about it and, and, and what is the right thing to do. It, it has to involve the living God. Jesus said he came, the purpose in his coming was to give us life in all its fullness. So faith has to expand our lives. Faith has to make it bigger. Like if if you're going for Jesus, it has to be making a real difference in our lives, making life more colorful, more meaningful, bigger. And that means we have to keep getting bigger too. I mean, that's the only way to experience life bigger is that we grow. That we have to grow and heart, and mind, and soul, so that life is experienced as something bigger. We agree? But you know, it's hard to keep growing, isn't it? It's much easier to settle in and stagnate. That's the usual thing that happens. And so today, I want to talk about three mental attitudes that stop us from growing. Three mental attitudes that bring on stagnant complacency. They are unexamined assumptions, self-justifications, respectable comfort. These three mental attitudes can just stop you from growing just in your tracks. And today I want to Look at a passage that talks about these mental attitudes. Sounds good? Shall we begin? John chapter 9. As as he went along, meaning Jesus, Jesus, went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, 
we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This, this word means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are his, this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. That went downhill very fast. (laughs) Starts with a great healing, and then there's a big spat at the end. Wow. Well, let's look into this, this passage. The passage begins with the disciples of Jesus asking, Rabbi, teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents? That he was born blind. That's a doozy of a question, isn't it? Who sinned that this man was born blind? That betrays a mentality, a mindset. The mindset at the time was that if someone was born with a defect like this, then everyone just knew that there was sin involved. It was an un questioned assumption that everybody just knew somebody sinned, that's why he was born blind. But who is it? This man or his parents? It's a theological question. And that's why they don't ask like, how did this happen? Why was he born blind? They ask, who sinned? That betrays this unexamined assumption, universal assumption. When we operate with such assumptions, we don't even know what questions to ask, do we? They're they're going down a wrong path. They're stuck there. (laughs) They're only asking who sinned. Jesus blows up that assumption. He says, no, that's not the case. And then he uses spit to heal this man. How weird is that, huh? He spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, it on the man's eye. <laughs> and that's what heals him. It's like this spit. You, right? Isn't this gross? Do you want anyone to like put gobs of spit 
mix it with dirt and put it on your eyes? Anybody? Isn't that like just, wow, ooh, I don't, yeah, that's just so weird. Anybody ever use spit as you pray for someone? Anyone? Anyone did that? Fess up? Believe it or not, I have. I've done this. Now nobody's going to ask me to pray for them. The spit might get involved. It's risky. You don't want to ask Charles for prayer. Some of you have heard this story before, but many of you haven't. So let me just try to uh, tell this story uh, quickly. Some years ago, two decades ago in fact, almost two decades, Caroline and I, we joined up with this team of American people uh, who goes to Brazil on like yearly basis and hold these prayer meetings across several different cities in Brazil. And believe it or not, thousands of people come to these things because a lot of amazing things have happened. And so we thought, hey, You know, why don't we, we were young and we want to give it a try. So we tried it. We went to Brazil. You know, it's a chance to uh, travel in Brazil, see what happens, you know. And so we went. And, uh, and one evening, I prayed for several people. It was like a thousand people there. And uh, you're part of the prayer team. So, so I ended up praying for some people. And unfortunately, nothing much happened with every prayer <laughs> that I did that night. And by midnight, and they go a long time. So like, you know, you just go for a long time. But nothing really happened. By midnight, I got tired, so I walked outside. And as I walked outside, I found a deaf boy talking with someone using sign language. His name was Michelson, and we have a picture of him, you know, that's him, and that's me, you can kind of tell from the back, right, that's me. So Michelson, he, uh, because the person that Michelson was talking to, he, she could speak English as well as sign, so she translated for us. It turns out that Michelson had an adverse bad reaction to a medical injection as a baby. And ever since then, he couldn't hear or talk, you know, from when he was a baby. So this was an unfortunate thing that he was experiencing. And, and so he came to this prayer meeting to see if something would happen. He had already gotten prayer from several different people through the night, but nothing happened for him. So he was sitting outside talking to this, you know, woman who was signing with him. And he said something that really touched my heart, even though he must have been very disappointed. He said to me, with a smile, he said, in heaven I will hear. And isn't that just such a great spirit? Like a person who is under this for all his life and... And it hasn't like twisted him up. He's got this beautiful smile. And he's got this, this hope of a future 
And that really touched my heart. So I said, I, I, said, I, I want to pray for you. You know, it touched my heart. I want to pray for you. Can I pray for you? And he said, sure. Why not? I never seen a deaf person get healed before. So I didn't have much of an expectation that anything was going to happen. But I just wanted to pray for him. I prayed for him. Nothing happened. Aww. And normally I would have given up. But as I said, I really liked him. And it was likely to fail again. But hey, we're in Brazil and midnight and who knows what's possible. Can we just pray one more time? And he was all for it. And, and that's when this passage about spit, this incredible healing with spit came to my mind. It was like a fleeting thought. And then I thought, man, that's weird. Man, I can't use spit on this boy. I like him. <laughs> you know? Like this fleeting thought, maybe I should use some spit. And I just thought, I can't do that. That's so weird and gross. I don't want to offend this boy. But then I also thought, you know, it is a ridiculous thought to use spit. But, I mean, this whole situation is absurd. I mean, I'm in Brazil at midnight. (laughs) Praying for strangers. I mean, this is just an absurd situation to begin with. And so I thought, why not? It's ridiculous, but it's already ridiculous. Why not go for it? So, as we were praying, everybody's got their eyes closed and they're praying, right? So I thought, well, nobody's watching me. And so I put a little bit... I didn't want to put too much. I didn't want to like have him notice and like... I just put a little bit, you know? And then I put my hands on his ears and prayed for him. And this time he said he felt like there was fire in his chest. And it felt like there was a, a fire in his ears, like warmth. And it was heating up. And so I thought, hey, maybe something's happening. So I kind of got excited. And, and, and so I, you know, I snapped my fingers and just right, right by his ears, I snapped my fingers and said, deafness, break. And he flinched a little bit, you know. And I thought, oh, maybe he could hear that. So I asked him, you know, could you hear that? And he said, well, he heard something, but it was very, very faint. But the thing is, You see, I can't snap my fingers. It's very faint anyway. Do you see? Anyone can snap their fingers? Yeah, see? That's good. I can't do it. I tried. Especially in like middle school and high school, I really tried. Just could never do it. Because I I I watched Happy Days, you know? Fonzie, and get things done with snapping. I said, I want to do this. I can't do it. And so it's already very faint. So maybe he was, you know, maybe it was faint because it is faint, <laughs> you know. So I asked the uh, translator to snap her fingers. And he could kind of hear that. It was amazing. 
And that's when things started to like get exciting. People were like whooping it up. They like a crowd started gathering. You see like the crowd in the background. They started like thinking maybe something's happening. And like everybody started gathering. And, and there was this one woman that was very like assertive and aggressive. And she kind of took over the whole thing. She just stepped in and took over. And, uh, and she said, okay, I'm going to stand behind you, my cousin, and I'm going to clap. Can you indicate with your fingers how many claps there were? And he could do it. He was like, you know, there was like one or two times he got it wrong, but he kind of could do it. And so like people were like whooping it up and things were getting really exciting. So I was just so excited. Let's pray some more, you know, get it right. And this time I just was like, you know, it's working. So let's just use spit. I was just like, Gobs and gobs of spit. He's like, he's not going to care now. He's getting healed. It's working. So I can just put him on, you know. Right? That was a a fun experience. And, and, And as we prayed more, he just kept getting better. Isn't that cool? What a, what a fun experience. So, miracles can happen. Great things can happen. But I don't know why or how. That's not clear to me even now. I mean, he, he got prayer from several people who had way more experience and faith than me. And that didn't work. And I prayed for him and it didn't work. Is it the spit? Maybe there's something magical about spit when you pray for people. Well, I hope that's not the lesson that anyone walks away from here. Okay? Can we agree? Nobody uses spit when you pray for someone, okay? Let's just not do that. That just makes it very unsafe to pray. All right? Agreed? That's not it. It's not like spit is magical. But what is clear is the assumptions would have gotten in the way. If I thought, hey, he already got prayer from all kinds of people who has a lot of faith and didn't get prayer, what use is little me praying for him? I don't have a lot of experience in this. In this. If I just assume, you know, I've never seen anyone get well and I don't have a lot of experience, I never pray. So if that stopped me from praying for him, this healing would not have happened, Yes? If I had thought, you know, spit, that's just weird. If I had assumed, that's just not going to ever work. Then that would have stopped it. I mean, it's a ridiculous thought to use spit. It's stupid. But if I closed my mind to the possibility before even trying it, it wouldn't have happened, right? See, faith mentality says anything is possible with those with faith. That's a very famous phrase. You hear that all the time in Christian circles. Anybody hear this phrase? Anything is possible if you have faith, right? It's a very famous phrase. And the common understanding of that verse is that if you just have enough faith, you can get any miracle 
from God. That, that it's because we don't have enough faith that we are not getting these great things that happen. So let's just develop more faith. Let's go to God. Get more miracles from God. Right? I mean, that's the common understanding. But I'm here to say to you today, this is very important. This is the heart of the sermon. I'm here to say to you today, this is about more than squeezing something out of God with faith. This is about more than just, just you, if, you, if you are not getting answers to prayer, you're not having enough faith. Just get more faith and, and you, can get, you can win the lottery. You can get that promotion. You can get that you know, dream boat of a person to fall in love with you if you just have enough faith. This, I don't want to knock it completely because there is something powerful about having faith and praying to God. But this... It's a lot more than that. This is about talking about your approach to life, your basic mindset towards life. It's a mental attitude that says anything is possible versus assumptions that closes down possibilities. If your mental attitude is driven by unquestioned assumptions, then things close down. When the disciples ask, who sinned, this man or his parents? That narrows the possibilities. As opposed to a mental attitude that says anything is possible. So can we really examine what is going on here? Now if anything is possible, then maybe spit could work too. It opens up your mind to all possibilities. So this is my first practical suggestion for today. Develop faith mentality to fight on examined assumptions. Work on developing faith mentality to fight unexamined assumptions. This passage is full of examples of unexamined assumptions that closes down lines of possibilities and gets you stuck in a path, a wrong path. When the the disciple says, who sinned? They They are going down the wrong path because of an assumption. They're not considering the possibilities that nobody has sinned. That there are other factors at work. This can cause harm, even. If you are thinking, when you're looking at a blind person and you're thinking, it's because you're evil, you were born blind. That positions you differently than if you just thought, well, I don't know why you're blind, but I'm sorry. Do you see the difference? How your posture as you relate to people will dramatically change by these unexamined assumptions. Yes? Right? It closes your mind down. Another example is these Pharisees who respond to this miraculous healing, this glorious healing with a pre-made conclusion. They say, this man is not from God, for he does not keep 
the Sabbath. Do you see the assumption here that has led them to a conclusion that blinds them? Do you see? They made this assumption. They are, they are loyal to this rule from the, the Bible about the Sabbath. Therefore, Jesus must be a sinner. There's a lot of assumptions going on there, actually. But they don't stop to examine or question them. They're stuck in a path. It's a wrong path, but they don't have the, uh, the perspective to be able to tell that that's the wrong path. Our assumptions can stop us from so much good in life. That's why we have to question them and examine them, but it's really hard to do. Because assumptions like who sinned, there must be sin involved, assumptions like that are just basic facts of life. When you're living in that culture, in that world, they are unquestioned because nobody thinks to question them. This is just known. This is a fact of life. Some philosophers would say this is the light by which we see. They are like an operating system that we operate on. So how do we know even to know what they are? It's like asking fish what is water. We are living in it. We're swimming in it. It's all around us and it's just part of life. We don't know how to question them or examine them. And yet they stop us. And so this is why faith and faith mentality is so good to develop and invest in for all human beings, not just Christians. It opens up your mind, opens up possibilities, helps you to get more colorful and experience things you would never have experienced otherwise. That's why it's good to invest in this mentality. So that's why we need to stretch ourselves and do things to, to move beyond our comfort zones. So that's why this season we're asking you to dare to pray for big things in your life. We're asking you to pray for things that you cannot get for yourself. We're asking you to pray for miracles with faith that God can move in your life, not just because you might get answers to those prayers. And you will. Many of you will if you pray with faith. But even if you don't get answers to those prayers, this is really good for you. Because it stretches you. It helps you invest in this kind of faith mentality that makes you think anything is possible. It makes you go towards... Like when we went to Brazil and you spit, it opened me up. You know, from... You know, just Boston, MIT, that's where I went. This mentality that it opened me up because it was just so unlikely of a thing to do for someone like me. Yeah? Amen? So go for it. Go for some big things. Next week, Palm Sunday, we're going to ask you to write down stories, God's stories of your experience. During this season, I'm already hearing a lot of great stories. And that's great. And there's one week left to write those stories down. And actually, you can email us stories up to Easter. And we're going to like put them up. And so just 
We are in the home stretch. So go for it. Go for it with abandon. Go for it with passion. Peter talked about shameless audacity last week. Be audacious. Be shameless. Go for it. It stretches you. Open your mind up to anything is possible. And that's good for you as a human being. Agreed? Amen? Oh, come on, guys. Amen? I want more like, yeah. Amen. I want more like affirmation. I'm preaching some good stuff here, guys. Don't you think? And so, you know, come on. Respond. It makes me feel better. <laughs> Another thing you can do is that uh, we got experience workshop coming up this Friday, April 7th, 7 p.m. Last time we did it, amazing stuff happened. It's really encouraging. I don't know if it will happen again. There's no formula to this. But that's the point. We don't know what will happen. We come with this mindset, anything can happen including failures, but that's okay. That's what you're investing in. You're stretching your mind. So come. You know, I'll be there. Let's see what happens. We develop our mental attitude for adventure, bigger, more colorful things. You know, indicate your interest on your connection card because we're going to give you pizza. At 6.45, there will be pizza here. And it's good pizza, guys. And so we need to know how many people will be coming. So just indicate your interest. doesn't mean that you're committed to coming, but we know approximately how many will come. Sounds good? I want to see some checking right now. All right? That will be good. The second mental attitude I wanted to talk about today is self-justification. This impulse to justify yourself, which is in all human beings, that's going to stop us from growing. Because this, this impulse to be right, if your objective becomes being right as opposed to growing, that stops you from growing. Because you are building your case. Pharisees here, the Bible people at the time, they have taken an indefensible position, really. Because there's this glorious, miraculous healing. They're calling it the work of a sinner. It's a work of the devil. That's hard. That's a hard position to defend. So they become pretty defensive. They say to the man who was healed, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? So, you know, the man who was healed and the Pharisees, they get into a fight. And in the end, Pharisees run out of things to say. And so this is what they resort to. You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you? This is so wrong at so many levels. This is like, you know, kindergarten. You run out of things to say, so you're like, oh, you know, you're bad, I'm good, you know. Nah, 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 nah. I mean, it's like, right? I mean, there's no sense of decency here. It's just bullying, isn't it? It's their need to be right. And even when it, was point, it has been pointed out, you're not right, and you run out of things to say, the need to be right drives them to this position or this declaration. 
You're wrong. We are holy. We read the Bible. We keep the Sabbath. We're good people. You are evil. So why, why should we listen to Need to be right can drive us to really bad places. I've, I too have to confess, I too have found myself in places like this. Don't you agree? That when you get in fights with family and friends, and in the heat of the battle, sometimes we just have to be right. We have to justify ourselves, and so we can say things or do things that just digs in your heel. Can we agree on this? I'm not the only one, right? We have to watch out for that. You know, with your family and friends, is it really our goal to be right? Or is the goal to grow and bond with each other and love each other and have a good time with each other? It's a rhetorical question. It's a clear answer. So this is my next practical suggestion. Make growth your goal, not being right. What Jesus has to offer life in all its fullness can only be had for people whose goal is to grow, not being right. Being right is fine, but you cannot make that your goal. In fact, I would say this is Connected to the original sin, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, the right and wrong, the compulsion to be in the right, it's the original sin. It's the sin that stops these Pharisees from recognizing Jesus. And I find that so tragic. Here's a group of people who have made it their life's goal, life's purpose to serve God. Pharisees really were sincere people of faith who studied the Bible day and night, who wanted to do right for God, serve God, be the righteous people, holy people. And when God comes to them, they can't recognize this is God, and they end up killing him. How tragic is that? Your whole life's purpose And that all happened because of these assumptions. Because of these need to be right. Because they made it their goal in life to be in the right. That killed them. That blinded them. It closed down possibilities for them. It's the opposite of faith mentality that says anything is possible. If they were willing, if they had developed that mentality, then they could have examined their assumptions, asked the right questions, and come around. But because they knew they were right, and Jesus points that out, because you say you are right, this is what's killing you. Final mental attitude. Respectable comfort closes down our minds. Pharisees say, we are disciples of Moses. We don't even know where this fellow comes from. Moses is the author of the biblical laws in the Old Testament. Now, he was very much questioned and controversial while he was alive. But by now, he had become this very respectable person because he wrote the Bible. And the Bible had become the light of life. 
So when Pharisees say we are disciples of Moses, what they are saying is that they are making a declaration of loyalty to the Bible. It's respectable, it's clear, it's right there. If your objective is to be right, a book of laws is very useful. You go to the book, and it's right there. You know how to be in the right. You know what the right thing to think and do is. And you can debate about it, but it's very useful if your objective is to be in the right. But if your objective is life in all its fullness, if it's love and grace, then a book of laws can actually make you rigid. It can actually constrain you. As Pharisees were well known to be so rigid. Not as useful. Jesus says in this passage, I am the light of the world. Powerful declaration. And I want you to understand this was a shocking statement to the people he was talking to. So the people he was talking to, from their childhood they were taught the Bible is the light of the world. The Bible, the words of God that we find in the Old Testament, they are honey to my lips, lamp upon my path, guide to my life. That's what they believed. And he he upends all of that by saying, I am the light of the world. It's not as clear. If Jesus is the light of the world, you can't just go, oh, here it is. It's a little bit less rigid, less clear. But this is what makes Christian faith unique as opposed to all other religions based on some holy book like Quran or the Holy Bible. We believe Jesus is risen and he comes to us, the Holy Spirit, and that's who we follow. We don't follow what, we follow who. We don't follow laws, we follow the person of the living God. You know, it's worth noting that Jesus never wrote anything down. And that's really worth noting because what we have today in the Bible is just his disciples writing down their experience of Jesus. And his disciples, I mean, I got to tell you, when you read about, they were just... Right? They were really unreliable people, weren't they? They were really unreliable and stupid so many times. So Jesus, as he's thinking through what's going to happen in the future, do you think Jesus was saying, okay, I'm going to just rely on these people, these disciples I'm seeing right in front of me, that they're going to write things down, and that's going to be everything that all people of faith are going to count on. That's hard to believe. He could write things down. He was literate. We know that. But he never did. I believe it's because he never counted on some book to be the light of the world. He counted on himself to rise again. He counted on himself to come to us. He says that again and again. He said, I will come to you. I will not leave you as orphans. Holy Spirit, my spirit will guide you into all truth. Don't worry. I'll be there for you. And that's the good news. Go with Jesus. Connect with Jesus who is alive today and wants to guide you as the light of the world. Good things will happen. 
Your life will open up. Your mentality will open up. You will be led towards grace, life, and love. Amen? Anything is possible for those with faith. You develop that mentality. And it will influence every sphere of your life. Marriage, in friendships, in careers. It will open up so much more for you in your day-to-day life. Any human being. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are alive and you open up possibilities in our lives. Help us now to turn away from all these assumptions we have and all this need for self-justification. And I just ask God that you would help us not settle into respectable comfort, but help us to stretch ourselves. Help us to dare to move into uncomfortable places, even if it's weird or uncomfortable. Help us to be the kind of people that are always growing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.